Hello and welcome to Carl's Interviews in podcast form. This is an audio extraction of the live interviews that I've conducted with some absolutely fantastic guests from all walks of life with a common theme of being truly inspiring and I cannot wait for you to hear their story. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to another of Carl's interviews. Today I'm joined by Jason Grubb and he's going to be our first overseas guest as well, which I'm super excited about. Jason is winner of CrossFit Masters. He's a personal trainer and a real success story of someone that's taken himself from fat to super fit. Jason, I've been chatting for quite a bit offline, comparing various notes on the weather, but we're now going to get down to the crux of the interview. So Jason, talk me through, what was your journey into fitness like and your kind of motivation behind it? So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. So I was, a, I ran for uh, 10 or 15 years. And when I say I ran, I ran, you know, 10 minute miles and I could run for seven or eight miles. Um, I could do okay. I would get, I would get myself into some distance running, but running fairly slowly. Um, and all of that for 10 or 15 years leading up to age 38 was to try to stay in shape. I literally, I just didn't know what else to do. Um, so I figured running, running is what I should do because runners, runners look thin and I just wanted to be a thinner guy. I was naturally thick. Um, and I was a gymnast going back into high school. I was a gymnast. Uh, I was, was pretty good. I wasn't, um, I wasn't a, a, an, a, an Olympic level competitor, but I did compete in gymnastics and I enjoyed that. But when I finished that in high school, yeah, I didn't really know what to do next. So I just kind of jogged and ran for 18 or so years at age 38, um, I had a, uh, a, a three-month-old, and um, I was thick, and I was, con- I was a little concerned about the fact that I couldn't, I couldn't shake this feeling that I was just going to end up being uh, an old, out-of-shape fat guy. I, I was just, I was scared. Uh, yeah. It's in my family's DNA to be thicker. Uh, so, meaning there's just a lot of thick people in my family. Uh, it's, I don't know if it's in their DNA, but, um, you know, there, there's, a, there's addiction in the, to food or to other things. There's, um, there's a mess in my, in my genome. So for me, uh, I just needed to find something. And I was lucky. Um, I want to say that I chose CrossFit as a methodology, a constantly varied functional movements performed at high intensity. And that that's what I, that I went into it eyes wide open. I did not. Okay. I got invited to my first class uh, and I went and I could actually still do handstands from high school. Yeah. yeah. So they were super impressed by this, <laughs> that I could do a handstand. I'm a 38 year old man to get to a handstand <laughs> at my weight and my, all this. But um, yeah, I, I took a class and, uh, and I, I, I absolutely had no idea what I was doing. All I knew was that even the people that didn't look like they were in shape all around me, yeah, destroyed me in this particular workout. I was crushed. I, 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 in my brain, I'm a fairly competitive human being. Yeah, and I didn't understand. Like, I, I, I you know, probably that week, I probably logged thirty miles or forty miles, maybe running yeah. that week. And then I go to this CrossFit class, and in a fifteen minute workout, I am dead on the floor, <laughs> and a uh, a pregnant woman with twins. I didn't know she was pregnant with twins, but she's right. pregnant with twins. Killed me in this workout. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's, I, 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 and so did everyone else. And it, it blew my mind. So I was immediately hooked 
and uh, and and and, and uh, felt that challenge. I've got to figure this out. I everyone else is so fit. Everyone else can do all this. I can't, and that's not anything that's comfortable for me. So yeah. I started going six days a week immediately, which is a, ter yeah. a terrible idea. But <laughs> I, I I don't do anything. Um, uh, at 50%. I, yeah. I just, it's a good thing and a bad thing that I go 100% into whatever I'm doing. And uh, I started going and, and I was just consistent. I wasn't on a mission. I wasn't changing my life. What inadvertently happened uh, after just a couple of months as I started to feel so much better. And I have this one uh, recollection of, of one of the workouts had a, a run in it. And I was really excited because I, I could run. And um, as I'm running, I, you know, it was, it was out maybe 400 meters and back to the gym 400 meters. I'm running back. I see the sun or see my own shadow in front of me. The sun is casting a shadow. And uh, the person running in the shadow has shoulders. And uh, I didn't, I, I was like, that kid's got to be an illusion. That can't be me. <laughs> you know, I just, you don't see it incrementally. Yeah. And uh, I, even at that point, this was probably three months in, took, I took a look at a picture of myself versus before and like my body was already starting to respond. And, um, and for that, I was very thankful. At the, at the nine month mark of, cross, of having started, I discovered that you could compete in this as a sport. Okay. So that was very exciting. And um, yeah, there were some local competitions. And then I, I heard about the CrossFit Games and I watched the first CrossFit Games and it was amazing. I didn't even know that, that, uh, that there was an opportunity for me to compete at my age at that time. But I did do a local CrossFit competition and loved the competition. I didn't get last. That was my only goal. <laughs> I did okay. And uh, uh, within 10 months of starting CrossFit, the CrossFit journey, I felt like I had to open a gym. I wanted to take what I had done, what I had experienced, what I shared, or, 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 uh, and share that with others. So I, um, I went all in. I went 100% life change into this is now my business too, and I'm going to go for it. Uh, and I competed and, uh, and trained and built a gym uh, that I ended up selling last year after about four years. But during that time, um, I was lucky enough in 2017 to 2017, 2018, lucky enough to qualify for the CrossFit Games as a 40 to 44 year old. Yep. They only accept 20 um, men and women out of my age group had 28,000 competitors qualifying for 20 spots. And I got in on lucky number 13 and went there. I just didn't want to get last and ended up getting fourth, which or fourth. And then uh, there was someone that was in uh, second place at the games that year. And they um, actually got dinged for uh, performance enhancing drugs. Yes. Yeah. So that was removed. I bumped up to third. And then the next year, 2019, uh, they had cut the range down to only the top 10 out of these 28 to 30,000 competitors going for this, got to go. I was lucky enough to go in uh, number seven. Again, my goal was just to not, not be last. Yeah. And even if I was last, it doesn't matter. I'm there. I'd like it's an experience. And yeah, uh, this top group of elite performers at this stage as well. I'm intimidated. These guys are the best of the best. They're all amazing. Every single one of them around me. And um, the CrossFit Games in 2019 were very hot. And we did, I want to say, seven out of nine events okay. in the sun out on a field. 
uh, or we had a, a, a really long uh, running event while carrying a rucksack, increasing weight. Yeah. <laughs> um, and those were all super, and I, that all was really good for a Colorado guy that trains at 5,000 feet, that loves the heat. Now we're at sea level and I'm just natural in the heat, sweating profusely, obviously. <laughs> and do you think that made a big difference actually? Because people do say sometimes that the weather or the climate, the altitude, that, do you yep. think that really works in your favor on that? Again? I do. You know, I, I, I do. I, I, um, the, the, particularly on the year that I won the CrossFit Games, the entire thing, um, on day one, we had three events, uh, two, uh, a short event, a moderate event, and then they announced this 6K run. Uh, which I was like, 6K run. Okay, I can run. I'm a runner. I mean, I'm not a runner. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a runner, but I can move my legs and I can yeah. get them going. And I'm good. If you give me a workout that's 20 minutes or more, I'll beat you. I'll find a way to keep pushing and beat you. And this, the way this worked, it was a 1500 meter run uh, loop. And you started with a 20 pound uh, backpack, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, on lap one, you added 10 pounds. Lap two, added 10 pounds. Final lap, 50 pounds on your back for that last 1,500. And I was battling for the top spot in that event um, and uh, ended up doing really well. Got second place in that event. And afterwards, I felt great. A lot of my competitors, a lot of my, uh, the guys in my age group, they, they actually took us off the field. It was very hot. They took us off the field. They got us to, to baths, ice baths, these huge corrals where we could get in. And I just drank a ton of, a ton of water, a ton of um, uh, any kind of sport drink that I could get my hands yeah. on, a lot that were, that were there. Because um, I just knew I needed to rehydrate. I knew my recovery was coming down to me staying hydrated, replenishing uh, salt, electrolytes, um, and eating yeah. as soon as possible. Um, the next day, my legs were sore, but I felt fine. And in retrospect, I talked to a number of the other competitors, and a lot of these guys uh, felt pure death on day two. Oh, wow. Like they, they couldn't, uh, their body hadn't recovered. And that's, um, it's always interesting what happens on day one in the CrossFit Games because it affects the next two, three, of four course. days of competition. It just set, up, set the stage for pure awfulness. Um, and I felt good. I mean, I... I, could, I had a hard time walking up and down stairs yeah. <laughs> because my quads were so sore. But when it came to doing handstand walks and carrying heavy things and uh, all the events that came after that, I, I, I did well. But training at 5,000 feet here in Colorado and then going to sea level um, for longer events like that that are very um, aerobic. Yeah. So not only do we, we train our anaerobic capacity, but our aerobic capacity. Then when we get down to sea level, um, muscle fatigue, like short, short, short workouts, it doesn't matter how much oxygen is in the air. But when we get a longer workout, I have more red blood cells than you. It's just, yeah, it's just no, science. Yeah. Um, so if somebody were to uh, tr choose a, a place to train, I would train in the hills for sure. Absolutely. And ultra runners stay the same, actually, as well, don't yeah. they, for that reason? Yeah, but yeah. Obviously, you're all that top 10 then. You're all at a, a good level of fitness. How much yes. comes into it, that mental strength or willingness to push yeah. yourself then? Uh, it's, there's a lot of strategy, um, actually, when we approach uh, events. And the mental toughness on a long workout like this, that rucksack run, um, I think that's a mental toughness event. How much can you endure? How much physical pain can your brain endure? 
Um, and, and at the same time, trying to balance not um, cramping up and not actually yeah. losing um, some capacity in your body. Um, but it, it is a mental game. Approaching a, a uh, maybe an eight or nine minute workout, knowing that um, everyone's going to finish within 60 seconds of each other. Yeah. We have to think, like, what is the best approach to maximize speed in transitions and little, little strategies in these workouts. Uh, for example, there was a workout that had a, a 30, a 90 foot handstand walk and then some assault bike and then a heavy uh, sandbag carry. And that's the workout. It's under three minutes. Um, and so for me, I'm a five, nine, I weigh 189 pounds, 190 pounds. I am not amazing on an assault bike. One of my competitors uh, is 6'1". He is going to destroy the assault bike. Yeah. He has height. He has leverage. So how do I get to the assault bike first? Like, that was 100%. And you try to find, like, what are the rules? Like, you can't – you have to – it was a certain amount of lengths across this uh, mat. Yeah. And uh, you couldn't pirouette in the air just to keep going. You had to step down, turn around, and get back up. But I did practice a very fast method of – Handstand walk across this mat, pirouette, touch my feet to the ground, kick right back up. Handstand yeah. walk across, pirouette down back. It bought me about five seconds. And on a three-minute workout, five seconds means yeah, yeah, that yeah. I got a five-second jump on this guy on the, on the bike. Now, I mean, he beat me on the bike. <laughs> so there's no way I'm catching him. But it, you will win the CrossFit Games if you collect a bunch of second-place finishes, as long as the first-place guy isn't the same guy. And yeah. that's what I did. I collected a lot of first, second, and third place finishes and beat the right people at the right time. So um, there's not just mental stamina, which comes in on longer workouts, but strategy and focus. Like you have to hit everything perfect. Um, and that's, it, it reminds me a lot of when I was a gymnast in high school. You get one shot at uh, a pommel horse routine or, or rings or something like that. You can't bobble, you can't move until the very end when you hit the ground and you stick a landing. Now you're good. Now you yeah. can move, now you can move around <laughs> freely, but you cannot make a mistake. And when you make a mistake, you know, and you have to almost be prepared that, you know, if I drop this sandbag, what's my plan? Like, yeah, I have to practice in the warm up area, dropping a sandbag and picking it up really quickly in case that happens. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, at the end of three or four days of competition, the body is fatigued and the brain is, is done. Absolutely done. It's, you got to shut off for a couple of days. It's, what I'd be interested to hear about as well is obviously you started quite late into this more competitive side. But mm -hmm. um, I mean, I use myself as comparison that uh, when I was in the army in my late 20s, like recovery was faster. Everything was a little yeah. bit easier. Um, how yeah. have you found it? You know, you're approaching 45 now. Yeah. Have you had to adjust what you're doing, change your, your training and your diet to help yeah. with that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, moving into my like 43, 44, 45, maybe 42 through 44, where I'm at now, it's been very consistent. I'm still in a place where I'm getting stronger. Um, uh, I'm getting faster. Like Things are still developing. But at a certain point here, my age is going to cause a natural decline. It's just going to happen. Yeah. I, I won't. I won't continue doing this. I'll just be literally fighting to stay up there. Yeah. Um, but what I did find in my training when I was, when I decided around age 41, I'm, I'm going for the CrossFit games. I'm going to do everything I can. Um, I overtrained. I followed okay. a training program and 
what felt like great training and being absolutely destroyed every day with two, two and a half hours worth of training turned out to not get me there. It was too much. So I adjusted my training after missing qualifying to the games twice. Uh, And I committed to to, to a lighter training load uh, in order to be more intentional, maximize the shorter time that I have when I do train, but then also not overdo it for my body and keep my body healthy. And uh, what, what ended up happening is I, I, um, by doing that, I got stronger and I got faster and I got better at everything by actually decreasing the volume uh, that I was training. If I was 24, it would be great. And I could just train <laughs> and maximize it because I love it. I love training. I love suffering. Uh, unfortunately, I do. Like today's a, a recovery day and it's hard for me to recover. It's hard for me to not train. Um, but I know what gets me excited is I know tomorrow I get to come back and I'm going to feel great. <laughs> I feel fresh. Yeah. As far as nutrition goes, um, yeah, absolutely. I, I, am, uh, I pay close attention to uh, my nutrition. I budget fun things into my nutrition. Like if I want to have a glass of wine tonight, I'm going to have less carbs at lunch uh, in order to have that glass of wine or two in the evening. Um, Real natural stuff there. Uh, I've got to keep my protein as high as, as any athlete that has my height and weight. Um, And those are, those are some challenges like actually eating enough protein. Um, People ask me all the time if I take supplements uh, as an athlete or even as an athlete that's in his forties. And I'm not a huge believer in supplements. I think that if I eat a well-balanced whole real food diet um i'm i'm covering 99 percent of what i need Uh, you know if i feel like i'm not gonna get enough protein that day i'll add a protein shake not because i think protein shakes are magical it's because i just don't want to eat another chicken breast um you know there's a protein shake is great and they're delicious so i do i do enjoy that um and you know I, i i take creatine which is a really common um supplement for all athletes and it's one of the most well-tested uh supplements out there other than those things i just try to eat i try to eat real food and track it i track my food about once a month i'll spend a day tracking what i consume as almost just a check-in i'll eat like a regular day but i'll still track and measure everything that i would do on a normal day to make sure i'm eating enough Um, for me my my challenge is that i will under eat um and, and have not enough calories in a day for sufficient recovery. Yeah. Um, I started paying attention to that very first when I qualified for the games in 2018. I had eight weeks to train and uh, I decided, well, I'll track my food for a couple of days here. Let's just see what I need. I was five, 600 calories under uh, what I needed to be every day. So well, when I started, that. yeah, when I started eating appropriate amounts of food, whew, it was amazing. I, <laughs> I felt, I felt great. Like I had energy. It was actually hard to eat that much food every day. Yeah. Like 2,800 calories is hard for me to consume in a day. Um, cause I get distracted and I forget to eat and have to remind myself to eat and stuff like that. But, but good calories as well. Cause that's the thing, isn't it? It's not just, you know, quick junkies, actually good wholesome right. food. Cause that's yes. where I, I read as well that at 38, you were just eating so much junk food and part of the reason you were running was because of the yes. sweets, the sugar, the booze, yes. I'd try and burn it off. Yes, very true. So when I, when I eat, uh, you know, a pizza for dinner or, or a large pasta dinner with three or four beers and um, probably a bag of chips or some ice cream, yeah, yeah. 
that's a day's worth of calories right there. Um, and those calories, when I, when I started to change and I started to realize like, I've got to stop uh, drinking beer, good beer. I, I don't, I don't like good beer now, but I loved <laughs> good beer then. Like I, right. I loved IPAs. I loved, um, you know, craft beers. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but it was, but I was also, I was drinking a lot and that's a lot of calories and it's expensive. Um, so when I pulled back from that and I pulled myself back off of uh, all grain, because I just wanted to try having no grain. Um, I mean, I, my body fat percentage went from an average of 14 to 15% down to about 11%, 9% at the, at the lowest. Yeah. Um, and 9% is too thin. That's the, I don't need to be 9%. And that's around the time when I uh, realized that having broccoli and eggs for breakfast broccoli and chicken for lunch and uh, some sort of vegetable and meat for dinner that I was under eating. So I had, I was light, I was thin. It was uh, aesthetically great. Yeah, yeah. Energy wise, it wasn't amazing. And then when I started eating up to 2,800 or 3,000 calories, but actually eating real foods, I found it hard to get those calories. So by eating sweet potatoes, um, broccoli, vegetables, um, you know, uh, appropriate amounts of butters and fats yeah, and oils. Yeah, yeah. All, eating real food, it takes a lot of work to get 3,000 calories. I can get 3,000 calories in like a half a pizza, just like yeah. that. It's no problem. <laughs> but real food, I'm full. Like I'm full if I eat three or four times a day to get that much food. And um, that's one thing that I work with my clients. As they go from eating a, uh, a, a processed food type diet to following a nutrition plan that is real food, not processed food, real food, uh, nine times out of 10, at the end of the first week, I get a text, I get an email that says, Jason, are you sure I'm going to lose weight eating all this food? I'm <laughs> so full. I can't get it in. I'm like, it takes a couple weeks. Keep trying. I know you, it's hard work. Like your jaw gets tired of actually <laughs> eating vegetables. So you, yeah. I mean, blend them. It doesn't matter. Like I, I prefer to drink my vegetables, not okay. juices, but, but like if I put anything in a blender, I can drink anything. Um, <laughs> I get really bored eating a salad. So I generally drink my salad. Blended salad. <laughs> I'll have to try that just once to see what it's like. Put it in there. If you put uh, spinach, a ton of frozen spinach in a blender, yeah. little water and uh, five frozen strawberries, you have yourself just a power packed, delicious. If you feel the blend, you've got three shaker bottles full. So you could have that with each meal of the day. And now you're cheating, but it's still good. You're okay. <laughs> so obviously you've done this incredible things with CrossFit Games, but what you've also been doing, and um, I suspect with what's been going on with Corona and that, you've not been able to explore as many yeah. as you like, but what you refer to as the 14ers. Yes. Yes. So, um, and I saw some of your incredible photos of your trip to Everest Base Camp. So, yes. you talk, tell me a little yes. bit about how that came about and what that experience was like. <laughs> it was a, um, it was an, it was an amazing experience. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a world traveler. This is not uh, my nature. I'd actually never been outside of uh, the United States except for, um, you know, local little islands. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Jamaica. I've been to Jamaica. I've been to Mexico, but I hadn't really traveled around the world. Yeah. Um, you know, one of my, one of my, uh, very best friends, um, she had this idea to, to go with another one of our uh, couple of friends, uh, to Everest Base Camp. And I was, um, 
scared, honestly. Like I'd never been around the world. It literally, it's, it's yeah. 12 hours, 45 minutes, whatever. It's straight across the planet from where I'm at. And um, I mean, that, that was scary to me. Not necessarily trekking. I wasn't worried about trekking and going to 18,000 feet, all of those things. It was just yeah. being on the other side of the world. And, and they, I, I very green in that area. But, um, but I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do that. Let's do it. It's super fun. So really cool flights, like, you know, riding, flying Emirates, a huge plane over the ocean, spending 18 hours in Dubai, and then eventually getting to Nepal and spending a few days in Kathmandu before a small little plane took us to uh, where we start the trek uh, up, in, up in the Himalayas. Um, it was a, an amazing experience. And uh, for me, of, of course, I had to find places to work out. So we were staying in a hostel in Kathmandu, and it had a rooftop. It was perfect for air squats, burpees, push-ups, handstands. It was absolutely fantastic. So I did a test when I was out there. Yes. I did one of my favorite <laughs> workouts when traveling is just 150 burpees for time. I'm just going to 150 burpees. <laughs> and uh, uh, one of my friends, I was like, John, our, our, you know, our, our workout today is 150 burpees. And so he woke up before me. He went up and did them. And uh, he's like, I did them. I was like, okay, I guess I got to do it now. So Went up, I did 150 burpees in just under 10 minutes. And uh, great workout. Then as we um, trekked our way up into the Himalayas, we started about 8,000 feet. And, uh, and then we end up, uh, Everest Base Camp is about 17,000 feet. And uh, along the way, we have a couple of days where we acclimate in different yeah. towns. Yeah. So we get to you know 10,000 feet, we stayed there for two days. Then we were at uh, 14,500 feet for two days, and then we worked our way all the way up to base camp. Um, at uh, Dingboche, which is this little town at 14,000 feet, I wanted to see what 150 burpees felt like at 14,000 feet. And um, it was awful. It was pretty terrible. <laughs> uh, it took me 12 and a half minutes, so it added three minutes to my time yeah. to do burpees at 14,000 feet. Um, but, man, it was great. It was really, really cool. That was the last workout I did from for any any more elevation it's it gets a little too thin up there it was yeah. super fun treks to base camp and um actually after the day after you visit base camp it's customary to stay in this um this little town called Lubuche, and then um then you uh i think that's what the town is called it might be another it doesn't matter but the next morning you get up at three in the morning and climb another mountain right right there called kalapatar and it's eighteen thousand five hundred feet you get up there before the sun comes up, and then you actually see the sunrise over Everest yeah. and Lutze. And uh, got up at three in the morning, climbed that mountain, thanked God for my fitness level, because that was a heck of a trek. And there's a lot of people. It's not overcrowded, but there's a good amount of groups yeah. climbing that mountain. Uh, you don't need a specific permit to climb that mountain. So uh, we're climbing that mountain. And the person I'm traveling with, she's a CrossFitter, uh, came to the games with me a couple of times. So we are, we are crushing this hike like it's a workout. <laughs> We're just, that's just how we do things. We just got to the top. Were you trying and, to beat uh, each other up as well? Or were you playing fair and both going up? No, no, no. We were good. <laughs> she, really, she was going to get cold. If she wasn't moving quickly, okay, she would okay. get cold. It was freezing. Uh, so we get to the top. There's snow on the top. We sit down. We take some pictures. I had a, actually took a t-shirt specifically I wanted a picture in from the CrossFit games. So I don't even, it was so cold on the top of that mountain that I took all my clothes, all my, the tops of my clothes off, put this t-shirt off for the picture, took my shirt off and there's people coming up in parkas. I'm like, what is this guy without his shirt on? Then I load everything back up. 
see the sunrise come up over these two beautiful mountains, Mount Everest and, and Mount Lutze. Amazing, amazing experience. And, um, and then we worked our way down and uh, it took us 14 days to get to base camp. And then they hike us out of there. Once we're successful, we successfully get there. We're out of there in like four days. Yeah. So coming <laughs> home was actually much, much harder. The days were very, very long, lots of hiking. Um, but man, it was, it was uh, one of the neatest experiences I've ever, ever had in my life. And of course my brain, the way my brain works is dysfunctional. Uh, there's patho pathology in my head where if I see Everest and I know people have done that, <laughs> I'm like, well, like, I think like 95% of people survive it. Yeah. That's how my brain thinks. Not 5% of people die yes. a horrifying death. It's 95% it's <laughs> of people make it. How can I get a quick $100,000 so I can climb this mountain? Um, and I, I mean, I had that as a, it's a, it's a sliver of an idea. I doubt that I will ever put myself in that kind of risk. I love competition. I love do, being the best at things, but I don't know if I need to be the best mountaineer and climb Everest. I, I don't know if that's necessary. So we're just going to put that on the, on the, on the, the, on the table right now. We'll table it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> it's an interesting one, isn't it? Cause it's, um, I even noticed when you posted the photos, it was a question that people asked as well. And it's, um, I think some were doing it in an aspirational way. Others you think, well, look, the man's just climbed to base camp. They, they yeah. enjoy that and all the views and everything. Oh, you've got yes. to go to Everest now. Yeah. 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 I mean, I've, now I've seen it. It was right there. I mean, I, I could have gotten up there. It's no big deal. I mean, no, it's not no big deal. Um, the weird, the, the thing that made it uh, real, I think, was that climbing to the top of Kalapatar at 18,000 feet yeah. and realizing that Everest is two vertical miles taller yeah. Yeah, than yeah. that mountain that I was on, that, uh, that, that shut it down pretty quick. Like, I'm <laughs> not sure if that's a good idea at all. This was tough. This was really tough, but I, I mean, I cannot fathom going two miles more vertically and however many miles horizontally that would take. Yeah. So, um, but getting to base camp, um, what's, what's kind of fun about that is that anybody in a, in a decent shape can get there. Um, it's, it's doable. And, uh, you know, there were questions around, is it, you know, is there a lot of trash? Do people leave or they yeah. are strict. Everything is picked up. Everything is clean. Um, so it's, it's a, um, I, I think there's still probably too many people that actually get up onto the mountain and the crowding makes it very dangerous at the top. But as far as the trail to get to Everest Base Camp, um, I, I, I couldn't be more grateful to have said yes to that experience because now, now I'm ready to travel anywhere. Like I've done yeah. that. Okay. I've been to Kathmandu and that's a, that's a rough, a rough, rough town. Um, <laughs> It's not a town. It's huge. But uh, okay, I can survive that. I can I can go to some third world countries that had were pretty intimidating for me as this like cushioned Colorado human being. I I can live in a hostel if it doesn't have water half the time. It's okay. Yeah. So yeah, I did wonder what you said about obviously you taking your shirt off for the t-shirt. I wonder yeah. that was because you wanted to show off the crisis tattoo. I mean, that's what it was all about. Obviously, I mean I, I there's. 50 people on top of this mountain that need to know about my tattoo. That is actually the one thing that's kind of nice about my before and after picture. Because yes. before, I don't have a beard. I'm thick. I, I don't look the same. I look, I look very different, but I have that tattoo. Yeah. So thankfully, after, the tattoo is still hung on there. And uh, 
and beard and now everything's different. So that at least is not a Photoshop situation. That is a legit tattoo. In fact, um, on my 40th birthday, a friend of mine, uh, my birthday's around Halloween. Mm -hmm. So it's always a costume party, yeah. always. My whole stinking life. Um, <laughs> and a friend of mine came dressed up as me. He put a, a whole muscle <laughs> outfit on and yeah. copied the tattoo in the middle of his chest. <laughs> so he, he came to my party as me shirtless. So it was a pretty fun. Did he, do, did he get the danger and opportunity properly broken down correctly? He had it just right. The guy nailed it. Good. Yeah, he, he literally, I mean, like, he's, a, he's an architect. He, he took it, photoshopped it, then, then screen printed yeah. it. I mean, he went all out with this thing. But that has been a, um, I mean, that tattoo is, 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 a, is, a, is a wonderful, uh, it's always, it's been with me for a long time. I've had it for uh, well over 10 years. Um, but I do, I do believe so strongly in that balance between uh, danger and opportunity, meaning the word crisis. And I love that you know that. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cool tattoo. If I was going to get any tattoo, I chose to do that one. And then, then I've gotten some more because yeah. once you start, man, it's trouble. <laughs> um, the last thing I'd like to go on to, and it's yeah. not to be covered with everything that's gone on recently, is talking about, obviously, Greg Glassman. Yeah. Uh, and yep. just literally the affiliates leaving in their droves and Reebok. Yes. So um, yep. I suppose to start, do you want to give me your view on that and what sure. potential impact that might have as far as you see it going forward? In the world sure. Sure. So, you know, I, I think um, I've, I've known the, some of the leadership at CrossFit for a few years. Um, I, I, uh, I knew the, uh, I, I don't know how I just, I met, the chief operating officer or the former chief operating officer at the CrossFit Games a few years ago when I was just mm -hmm. um, visiting the CrossFit Games. Yeah. And, uh, I met him and I, I remembered him and he remembered me. And I, I, I kind of, I tend to network quite a bit. So um, stayed in touch with him and just a good guy. And um, eventually ended up meeting the CEO of CrossFit uh, prior to Greg taking over the CEO role. So he had a, an executive team around him. Yeah. And at the time, the, the executive team for the past couple of years was helping to to really formalize the brand in uh, internationally, Brazil, China, these, these huge markets that, yeah. that needed additional help. And I think, um, I think Greg is a, so it, last year, two years ago, um, well, I guess it was in 2019. It's still only 2020 now. In 2019, um, I loved what I was seeing on the health initiatives that CrossFit was pursuing. Um, as an affiliate owner, I, I sold my gym May 1st, uh, 2019. But prior to that, in about uh, early March, I sent an email over to the chief operating officer just saying, hey, Bruce, uh, I love what's going on in the health field. Uh, I think this is going to be really great for our gym and, and all the CrossFit gyms. Thank you for all the hard work. We forwards that to Greg Glassman. And the next morning, I have a text message from Greg Glassman to me on my phone. Yeah. Um, and it says, hey, Jason, thanks for your kind words. I'd love to fly you and, an, and a partner out and to, to HQ to, to get to see the health initiative firsthand. So we actually went out there uh, two weeks later, uh, Greg flew us out. Uh, we got to spend some time with all of the doctors uh, that are part of this health initiative and uh, meet, uh, meet a lot of people uh, and including got to spend some one-on-one -on -one time with Greg, not a lot, maybe five, 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, and that's actually the second time I've hung out with him for a couple of minutes. And I think Greg is um, a visionary. He's, um, uh, brilliant, uh, almost too smart <laughs> in some ways. And so I, when I say brilliant, he created a methodology um, 
and, and implemented this methodology, the CrossFit methodology, which has changed lives and is documented to be one of the most well-rounded fitness regimens um, of all time. It's, it's brilliant in its simplicity and its complexity. It's, it's absolutely magical. It helps um, battle chronic disease like nothing else. So he founded that and is the visionary behind that. You know, this, this, this you know, crazy guy, um, it's crazy, wicked, smart. What he really needed the entire time was a group of, of executive level people to be the face and the management team of CrossFit. And he had that. He had that for a while during some transition times with CrossFit. And I think when he took over, when their job was kind of done, CrossFit expanded into China, into Brazil, things were very organized. Those C-level executives had done what they were commissioned to do and didn't need to stay on board. Therefore, it was, they, that was their positions. Then it's just Greg. And Greg is a great speaker. He, he's almost a, he's a great educator. So he should be a, um, uh, a, a professor. Okay, this is yeah. the kind of person he is, a professor. Um, and a very opinionated professor. And there's good professors and there's professors that say things they shouldn't say. And Greg is just like that. I don't think he's a racist human being. Uh, I think that he says some things without a filter, uh, which can get him in trouble. Um, and he doesn't have that filter of, of human beings to, to, uh, uh, to keep the message going out to the public appropriate. Uh, mm -hmm. So what ends up happening is he says some things behind the scenes. He says some things on the forefront. He tweets some things that get him in, in, um, in hot water during a very sensitive time. Yes. Um, you know, his, his explanation on why he said what he said uh, makes sense from his political libertarian viewpoint. Um, you know, he is a hands-off, let the people figure things out kind of, kind of person. Um, but changes had to happen. Um, they had to happen. Not just because Greg said what he said, but because he's not the leader of the organization, that the organization needs. He's not the CEO that he needs. Um, he's, he's a brilliant human being that yes, needed to retire and now needs someone else to take this thing um, and run it like an organization. This isn't like a, this isn't a mom and pop shop anymore. This isn't a one man show anymore. There's 15,000 or 14,000 affiliates left. Um, and 14,000 affiliates that have chosen to stay or are hanging on to try to, to see what's going to happen. Um, and I think his replacement is Dave Castro. At this yeah. point, um, I, I know Dave. I don't know him very well, but I've followed him very closely. Um, and Dave is the kind of person, so he's a Navy SEAL, former Navy SEAL. He was charged with uh, being the director of training and the director of the CrossFit Games. And he is the kind of guy that if you give him a job, he will do the job. He'll do the job really, really well. Whatever the parameters of the job are, whatever the instructions are, he'll do that. So as a CEO, um, I actually have some hope. He's, he's got some reputations of being kind of a, um, a villain, but that's just because he pro programs the CrossFit workouts and everyone is always so excited to hear how hard the workouts are going to be. So he's, the, oh no, what's Dave Castro going to say? Yeah. But he, um, in charge of, of, of CrossFit, um, I think he can put together the team. And I think they've already started putting some things in place. Um, some, some regional uh, directors and, and they're starting to create community leaders in various regions to gather 
feedback and to open up communication between the affiliates and the organization. And I think that's going to be continuing. All that to say that I I can't defend Cross. I can't defend what what Greg said. It it was inappropriate. They were quiet about some issues. Um, But I think the overall organization has historically been very sensitive to diversity and even expanded that diversity over the past couple of years by including national champions from around the world in the CrossFit Games last year. Um, So two years ago, the opening ceremonies of the CrossFit Games had all had uh, uh, flags representative of different countries. And there was the United States and a gazillion athletes and then just small contingencies of athletes from other countries. And um, what I heard was that Greg wanted to see all the flags as many flags as possible during the opening ceremonies. And so he changed completely the way the CrossFit games worked in one year in order to have all of the countries uh, represented. And, you know, when, when uh, Uganda, I don't, I don't, that's even a country, Ghana, I, I don't, <laughs> man, I don't know countries. This is really bad. Both are, but, both are countries. Okay, good, good. Um, but it, when there's two people that are there representing that country, they may not be able to compete with Matt Frazier, but that's not the point. The point is that they are there and they're represented and they're, they, they got there. They got their dream. It's a dream to, in this sport, go yeah. to the games. Um, so as an organization, I think, I think they'll navigate this. And um, if anything, this may be too, way too, too soon to say, but um, I'm grateful for the changes that, that needed to happen um, just now. Like, I, I don't want the brand to be tarnished. All that stuff sucks. Um, you know, when you're reading about the sport that you love on CNN.com, when it hits like mainstream media, I don't like that. But what it spurred as far as change in the organization and where the organization will go in the long run, um, including diversity, um, connection with the affiliates, you know, really supporting the 14,000 gyms worldwide and getting a voice, giving a voice to those gyms back to headquarters. I think those are going to be some incredibly positive uh, changes for CrossFit affiliate owners, but the uh, jury is still out. I say all of that with lots of hope as far as me and my brand, Jason Grubb Fitness. Um, I can't say that I, you have to be an affiliate to say that you do CrossFit. So I do CrossFitish things. I can't even, can't even say that. So <laughs> whatever. Um, but as a sport and as an athlete in this sport, um, you know, right now as a 44 year old, uh, there is no CrossFit games for me this year. Um, they, they aren't having the age groups do the CrossFit games this year. Uh, will there be a CrossFit games next year? And what will it look like? I'm not sure. I'm still training as an athlete, as a competitor in this field, because if there's not a CrossFit Games, there will be other competitions to feed my soul um, and to keep me doing interesting things. And if there's not competitions, I'll still do something that creates meaning for me and and hopefully larger meaning, um, like maybe running with you in a crazy (laughs) 24-hour running-a-thon, 12-hour run-a-thon. We'll talk about that off later, but I love things like that that can be a test of fitness. Um, So whether it's running or it's CrossFit or it's an invitational or a functional competition, I'm okay with all of those things. Now, I'm more more than happy to answer more specific questions, but those are kind of my thoughts on on that whole situation. I think it's super unfortunate, Uh, but I do love that idea that 
in crisis, there's a balance between danger and opportunity that the danger for CrossFit is that it implodes, but it, the opportunity is that it transforms into something that is even better uh, than it ever has been. Um, and they're going to have to work really hard to do that. Um, and gaining trust back after trust is lost, I think is harder than maintaining trust. Um, but they'll, uh, there, there's, there's a lot of loud voices that'll get heard, I believe from CrossFit headquarters. And I think, I mean, changes are already happening much quicker than changes ever happen with CrossFit headquarters. So they're doing some things already that I think are a really good sign and gives me hope that it'll keep going in the future. Yeah, I think it's actually a really good summation for it as well, that maybe the cause or the trigger for those changes is certainly not the way anyone would have wanted it. Yeah. And it's an unfortunate event, but yeah. those changes are happening now and they're happening for the better. So it, it is a good thing. And yeah. hopefully they'll learn the lessons. Because you say they, they work in the diversifying piece, but as one of the reporters, when they actually asked the question, yes. they pointed out yes. that all their upper echelons were white as well. They didn't have that ethnic diversity. So it'd be good to see yeah. that expand yeah. the representative of the market they go for yes. as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I really enjoyed this evening. and I've actually learned a lot from it. If anyone wants to learn more about you, your journey, or get in touch hmm. about um, your fitness, how can they contact you and how can they find you? Uh, really simple. JasonGrub.com. It's uh, JasonGrub with two Bs.com. Or if you Google my name, Jason Grub, Google will even autocorrect it and you'll, <laughs> you'll find me. Very simple. Find my website. Easiest way to contact me is just through the website uh, or follow me, Jason Grub underscore fitness on uh, Instagram. That's where I tend to hang out the most. Perfect. Well, Jason, thank you very much for your time. Um, I hope it does rain this afternoon, which isn't a conversation <laughs> I normally have with people. And you take care of yourself. Thank you. Thank you. This has been great. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. And that concludes another interview for the day. Thank you to each and every one of you for listening. And as ever, if you have any feedback, send it through to me at my Instagram handle at fighting underscore the underscore dadbot. Enjoy the rest of your day.